0: Let's take that in together, take in what we've shared in together, the words of encouragement, the words of faith, the theme of the faithfulness of our God. Welcome. I want to say thank you for being online with us. I want to say thank you out loud again to our amazing tech team to all the people that are participating in helping this worship happen, to our praise teams, uh, to our adult discipleship minister, Adam Paw, to all of you who are making this possible and continuing to live out the mission of God, I want to say thank you. Today we start a series. The title of the series, which I'll explain in a moment, is Reboot 21. Now, what that was anticipated with is the idea that in 2020, we did experience something that was unknown to nearly everyone alive in this generation. There were a few centurions who were alive during the pandemic of 1918, 1919, but that was so few and far between. Almost no one had experience with what we have been facing in 2020. We had high hopes that maybe 2021 would turn the page, but I noticed a meme yesterday that someone posted on their Facebook page that said, "Come on 2021, I was cheering for you. I was rooting for you." Or didn't we know that the turn of a calendar year, though it brings a glimmer of hope, we know that that doesn't change the circumstances that require and call for our faith. So I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit ordered our steps and called us months ago into a study starting today in the book of James to reboot our faith. But I want you to think with me for a moment about words, words, we know they're important sometimes our words they're like wings they give flight to our thoughts and our feelings other times words fail us and sometimes we fail words in scripture i've chosen these 3 powerful passages that describe the power of words proverbs 18:21 the tongue Has the power of life and death. Proverbs 25 and verse 11, like apples of gold and settings of silver, is a word spoken rightly. Matthew 12, verse 33 through 37, Jesus teaches us about the power of words. But listen to his closing statement. I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. I've lived in and through words my entire life. My parents believed that words mattered. They would often press us for clarification. They would firmly ask, what did you mean by that? They would often encourage us to take another run at our words. I can remember often hearing, if you don't have anything good to say, you're not trying hard enough. For the past several days, I have been searching for the right words to describe last Wednesday January 6th. To be transparent, I've been struggling for the last 10 months to find words. Just one week ago, I shared in the sermon that the Wall Street Journal had sent out to its readers a request. Send us words about 2020. Find a word to describe your experience. I shared those words with you just last week, but Wednesday night late, When I went back and took another look at those words, they seemed lifeless, incapable of capturing my feelings, my thoughts, my emotions. I want you to take a moment and think of what words you would describe, used to describe the conversations you've been in, the reactions you've had the feelings and thoughts that you've been processing. Think about the conversations you've had in your own mind, the conversations you've had with others, descriptions you've heard on the news or read on social media. What would some of those words be? In fact, right now, if you're online with this, put it in the chat. What word or words would you use to describe your feelings? I'm going to list some. Anger. Frustration, scared, fearful, traumatized, terror, vicious, vile, hurtful, harmful, depraved, incomprehensible, disbelief, disgusting, shocking. Not surprised. I told you this would happen. I can believe this. What? Is happening. Now some of you recognize those words because you texted them to me. You emailed them to me. I read them on your social media. And if I compiled the whole list, what we would begin to discover is, is that some of the words we share in common, and this is an important point that some of the words we would use to describe what we saw and what we're feeling in the days since January the 6th, they would overlap, and it seems to give us some sense that we can connect with each other. Someone says, well, how how did you feel? And someone says, I couldn't believe it. And someone kind of gives that knowing look, me too. Someone else says, oh, I can believe it. And someone else like, "Mm mm-hmm, me too. You see, so the the idea that we have words in common, in a sense, help us. They give us this idea that we can share some things in common. But what do we do with the words that are different? The words where someone says something and we think, well, that's not how I feel. That's not what I think. One person says, I can't believe it. Another person says, what can't you believe? But you see, I think we've been getting this all wrong, I think that the assumption that the best path to unity is by tribalism, finding people that already use the words I use and already use them the same way that I use them, or at least appear to, that's kind of my tribe. But the people that use different words and different descriptions, we have a tendency to see them as enemies, to banish them to the other team. I believe that we're getting that wrong because it's not just in the words we share in common that we can find bridges to one another. It's through the words we use that are different. The different words, the different meanings, the different feelings, the one that even stir my soul and push my buttons, that's an opportunity for me to say to another person, tell me more. Tell me what you mean. Talk to me about your experiences, your feelings, the meaning those words have for you. Let them come to me. Let us sit together and learn each other, not just through what we have in common, but through what is different. I want us to explore this together in Scripture, but before we open the next text of Scripture, I want to say something to you about how I see my responsibility. Thirty-eight years ago, my wife and I, 37 years ago, my wife and I felt the call to ministry. We didn't know what it would mean. Neither one of us grew up in a minister's home, Her dad worked in the auto industry, my dad in the construction ministry. But both of our fathers and our mothers were very active in in the church, very active in their life with Jesus. We both wondered, is this the path we should take? And we stepped out on it, having really no idea what it would mean. Over those now almost 38 years, there's been a lot of great times and there's been a lot of devastating times, but we wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't go back and reverse the decision. I wouldn't take another path, but I've learned something about my responsibilities, and I'm going to describe it to you through two breeds of dogs. Yes, two breeds of dogs, you heard that right, setters and pointers. Now, when you think about these two breeds of dogs, they are coveted, both of them, by hunters, specifically those who hunt birds, hunt fowl because they both have a profound instinct. Now, the setters are interesting because what they do is they not only locate the bird or the fowl that the hunter is searching for, they retrieve it. The setters go and get it, and they bring it back, and then together, hunter and dog together, they sit together with it. Over the course of ministry, I have participated in the collecting of experiences, the collecting of the hard times, the collecting of the good times, and then we sit with it, which is why I started today talking about words and asking us to sit with each other with those words, those feelings, and those experiences. A pointer is different. Yes, it's still a bird dog, but a pointer does not retrieve. A pointer with its body says, what you're looking for is over there, you go get it. They don't retrieve. They say, this one's on you. If you want it, you'll have to go get it. And I also have that responsibility. To call us all off the couch, away from the news, off of social media and point us to God, point us to scripture and say it's over there if you want it you go get it because that is my responsibility and yours. This is not the time to have the news, a favorite political pundit or a social media influencer Colonize you to their benefit and bidding. This is an opportunity to eagerly receive the Word of God and together with love explore the meaning of Scripture. So I want you to notice with me a scripture with which you may or may not be familiar, but I promise you a lot of you are going to feel like me. This scripture has dominated my Christian life. This comes out of Acts chapter 17, beginning. In verse 1, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and for three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Well, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women, but other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But they did not find them, and so they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there's another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil, and they made Jason and the others post bond, and they let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Now, it's not lost on us that Scripture, inspired by God, is so powerful, so relevant, so meaningful that words we've heard over the last few days are emerging into our hearts right out of Scripture that scenes that we now can imagine through our own mind's eye were happening then and happening now. And the Holy Spirit said, let's tell the truth. Let's tell what happened. Let's choose divinely appointed words to explain exactly what happened. I, in my responsibility, am pointing you to the Word of God to listen carefully for the direction that God wants us to take. Now, I have a question. How many of you from childhood knew something about the Bereans. <laughs> you might have thought, I don't know who that is. You might have thought, hey, that's the name of a church downtown or down the road. Who are the Bereans? One thing we knew about them, though, and it was drilled into our spiritual DNA, the Bereans were of no more noble character than someone because they eagerly received the word of God and daily examined the scriptures to make sure that what Paul said was true, and we took that as our commission to examine scripture to make sure we can discern truth. There are, however, four insights that I didn't hear enough about. I'm going to give them to you quickly. Number one, the Bible says They examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They did not turn to their source of news, which they did have. They did not turn to thought leaders that shaped what they already believed to be true. Nor did they turn and read selected passages that emboldened their impulse to reject Paul's teaching. The text says that they... Every day, ongoing and continually, examined the scriptures, and I looked this up in Greek to make sure I was correct about this, plural, the scriptures, and they did this with great eagerness, which means a willingness of mind, a readiness of mind. It was the whole scriptures that they kept on examining. Number two, they eagerly received the word of God. To listen, to learn, and to examine was a character issue. It literally means, when it says they were of more noble character, that in the original language, it means they were living up to a noble birth. They were living into the kind of people they were born to be. This resonates as we are called to live as people who have been born twice, not once. We are not called to live as once-born people. We're called to step up and live as twice-born people, people who have been born again by the Spirit of God to live into the life of Jesus Christ and to fulfill his mission. Number three, a great many of them believed. Did you notice that? Don't stop at verse 11. The Bible says a great many of them did believe the witness of the Apostle Paul after they examined scriptures. The Bible says that the Berean Jews... And a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men believed. These words literally mean people of impactful presence and influential speech. The same word used to describe Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man that provided the tomb for Jesus after his crucifixion, who also believed at great cost. Did you notice that the preaching of the gospel and the examination of the scriptures allowed both Jews and Greeks to make a decision? about Jesus Christ and about truth, and we're called to that. Number four, they received and examined the Scriptures. Now, I'm going to emphasize the word they. Here's why. As my brother Stephen Maxwell will always challenge me to remember, that our conception in the Western world of individual study in isolation, in the presence of those whom we know already agree with us, That is not what they were called to do. That's not what they were doing. They lived in a communal culture, and they studied and examined in conversation with each other, and that's the truth. If you were reading this in Greek, you would notice that it's also plural, that the study they did, they did together. We are called to study for truth and to do it together. So when we turn to the book of James, And we begin to read the first 18 verses. We might see some things that are familiar. We might see some things that are new. But what I want to challenge you to do in 2021 is be a part of a small group where you study it together. You can do it right after our worship. Today we have two classes, one from Habakkuk and one studying James. The one that starts, the one that studies James, being led by T and Kevin Buckner, that will actually be an opportunity for you in community to study the truth of James chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Now, when you read James 1, through, uh, 1, 1 through 18, you're gonna see words that familiar, are familiar and make sense. James sends this letter to those that are scattered. They're not together. You're like, whoa, well, that's us. Yes. James sends that letter to people that are facing trials of many kinds. You say, amen. They're facing testing. You're like, yes. They're drowning in temptation. You're like, can we say that? They're called to persevere, and they're tired. You say, well, man, that sounds like perfect for me. Yeah, yeah. We can find bridges of connectivity through words that are common to both of us, James and us. But there's a word, there's a word James drops on us that doesn't seem to fit. The word that says, consider it pure joy. You say, well, I didn't put that in the chat. I didn't use that to describe a lifetime experiences. I didn't use it to describe the last 10 months, and I didn't use use it to describe the last few days. Joy didn't show up in the chat. Trials, temptations, frustrations, anger, all of that filled my thoughts. And James says, I get it. I'm not minimizing that that is there. All I'm saying is is that you're going to need something to navigate it. The joy of the Lord is our strength, Nehemiah told the people of Israel, and it echoes into our time today. We know we need strength. Nehemiah says, you'll find it in joy. You say, but I can't find joy. And James says, you'll find it through faith. We need a reboot of faith because that's the only way that joy somehow makes sense in our circumstances is through faith. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. As we join this study, Reboot 21, I want you to read the book of James every week for the next 10 weeks. I want you to read it and read it in community. I want you in a small group. I want you studying it in community so you together with other voices hear not only what you have in common but are able to live into the voices that are different. What I'm asking you to do is to put the Word of God and your faith in God first. That that is a higher priority in time and the amount of headspace you give to any other voice. You give more to God and you give your best to God. That means that you might have to get off the couch, you might have to shut off the news, It means you stop scrolling through social media, and you get into the Word of God in community with others and with others who use words that are different than yours to describe these times. And when you do that, you're going to be stretched. But when we do it together, our bonds of love will be stronger than they've ever been. But it has to happen through faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your mighty and powerful word. We have no desire other than to seek truth and to speak truth and to seek it through you. Father, I pray that we will throw off the shackles of the mind colonizers who seek to turn us into people who only serve their benefit and bidding, and that we restore, that we are servants of the great King, servants of the Most High, and that our lives belong to you and to each other. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.